Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. tonight. I don't have to tell you, you already know this because you've lived long enough, is that life is full of problems. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Mary's like, hey, actually, you know what? That's like, that, that's biblical when you laugh at problems. Like, Pah! you know, that's, hey, laugh at it. It's right. All right. Life is full of problems, which works out really bad for us a lot of times, but really great for singers and songwriters. I mean, they make a lot of good songs. I, I, I caught a Fleetwood Mac concert on AXS TV last night, and I had to, you know, it wasn't enough to watch the concert. I, I had to go find the behind the, behind the music on uh, VH1 or whatever on, on YouTube. And man, all those great songs, like, they, it was mainly just Lindsay and, and, uh, and Stevie singing about their, their love problems, right? Their love life. It was, it was nuts. But one of the biggest problem areas in life revolves around the area of finances, all right? Around the area of finances. How many of you know someone who has had money problems? Raise both hands, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so common. It's such a big problem, okay? It's such a big problem. That's why there are so many songs written about money. Did you know the Beatles wrote a song about money? I didn't know this until I read the lyrics. Uh, I, I, I really liked the song, but I had no idea it was about money. It starts off this way. The best things in life are free. Did you know that song's about money? I didn't know that. He says, it says the best things in life are free, but you can keep them for the birds and bees. Now give me money. That's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah, it's so, it's so poppy and fun. It's not, like, it's not like a, you know, give me all your money, you know. <laughs> that's, that's what the song actually is. Your love gives me such a thrill, but your loving don't pay the bills. Now give me money. That's what I want. Yeah, what I want, that's what I want. <laughs> Did y'all know that? For real? <laughs> Pink Floyd, they sing about money, right? Money, get away, get a good job with good pay, and you're okay. Money, it's a gas. Abba sang them a song about money? How's it go, Miss Jackie? Hmm. I get the guitar here and give you the right key. But uh, money, it's a gas. Here's what, here's what Pink Floyd, they said, grab the cash with both hands and make a stash. All right. New car, caviar, four-star, daydream, think I'll buy me a football team, which they mean soccer when they say that they're from Britain. P. Diddy and Biggie, they rapped about money problems. Now who's hot, who's not? Tell me who rock, who sell out in stores. You tell me who flopped, who copped the blue drop. Whose jewels got rocks, who's mostly Dolce down to the tube sock. I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. But the kids and I, over the last year, we have been jamming. He's not a new guy, but he's a more recent artist. He's new to us. His name's Aloe Black. And uh, he sang about money problems, too. He's, he has this song called, I Need a Dollar. How many of y'all heard, I Need a Dollar? Good song. Have we got Abba playing back here now? There you go. <laughs> well, we'll have to share it. Yeah, let's listen to a little of it. You got it? All right. 
But Creflo, not Creflo Dollar, I almost said Creflo Dollar. Oh, I'm, that's definitely being edited out of the audio that his name was even spoken. All right. But Aloe Black singing about I Need a Dollar, he said, I need a dollar, dollar, a dollar is what I need. Hey, hey, I need a dollar. And so on and so forth, okay? He says, but times are coming and I reap what I don't sow. Well, let me tell you, there's something all that glitters ain't gold. It's been a long, old trouble, long, old, troublesome road, and I'm looking for somebody to help me carry my load. It's hilarious to see Nathaniel, my six-year-old, run around, I need a dollar. <laughs> and he's like, no, Dad, really, I need a dollar. Come on. <laughs> All these artists, they're just capturing the angst surrounding money in this fallen world. I mean, just a lot of it. A lot of things to sing about. You know, um, I love... <laughs> y'all, y'all, anybody here seen the VeggieTales where... Um, what's the pickle's name? Or the cucumbers? Larry, Larry the cucumber. When he tries to sing the blues. Yeah. But he's got ice cream. And he's all happy. And he's like... And so the guy comes up and says, Larry, you can't sing the blues with ice cream. Let me help you out. So he takes his ice cream and throws it on the ground. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Larry could sing the blues. It was beautiful, guys. But around this world, there is problems in the fallen world. And sometimes today, yes, we're in a situation today, possibly, where because of the, 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 the credit cards and the internet and all these things, maybe the, the, the commercialization of, of society, perhaps the anxiety around money is exacerbated. Uh, that, that very well could be the case, right? Um, because we, every day, we have, there, are, there are experts who are trying to get our money from our pockets. Let's just be honest, all right? Every day people are coming up with new schemes. And I don't mean illegal schemes, I'm talking about McDonald's putting the picture of the quarter pounder with the cheese hanging out and the ketchup just right and all. I mean, they are, they are working to get our money. Talking geckos. Talking geckos, getting our money, all that stuff, right? But let me say this. Financial anxiety is as old as money, all right? It's not a new problem. It's not a new thing. Maybe it's exacerbated today because of the commercialization of society and all that stuff. But nevertheless, this is an old problem. That's why Jesus addresses financial anxiety here in the Sermon on the Mount almost 2,000 years ago. All right. Last week, Jesus basically challenged us to invent, or I'm sorry, to invest our earthly treasure in heavenly causes. That's what we talked about. Invest your earthly treasure in heavenly causes. But as a follow-up to that teaching, Jesus addresses anxiety that often surrounds money, all right? So let's, let's talk for a moment. What are some issues that people face that raise their level of anxiety around money? What are some issues that make us get anxious about finances? What are some of those? Taxes? Yeah, it's tax season, ain't it? Oh my goodness, all right? Absolutely. Man, am I going to have to pay this year? And if I do, I where am I going to get that money? And oh man, you don't want to be around the Simpson house at tax season. I'm telling you what. It gets bad sometimes. All right? So what else? Job loss. That's right. Yeah, and we're always in a situation in today's economy where, I mean, no job is safe. In fact, um, you know, we tell you, I tell you every Sunday, please feel free to turn in a prayer request on the, on the, pull, on the tear-off, and your pastors are happy to pray along with you and for you. 
This past week, someone turned in the card, not from this campus, but from the East Campus, and said, please pray for people at Western because apparently they're getting ready to do some big budget cuts or something like that. And, and the person who wrote this said, nobody's job is safe. All right. I'm not trying to scare anybody over here. <laughs> She's like, Okay, okay, all right, all right. So, job loss is a big one, all right? It's a, it's a big, when, when you lose your job, I still remember, gosh, what year was it? I was probably fourth grade or something like that. My dad worked at Holly. Like, my dad worked at Holly and my mom worked at Fruit of the Loom. Like, everybody else in Bowling Green, you know, it seemed like, you know, when I was growing up. And I still remember the day. It just, it's etched in my mind for some reason. I still remember the day. When dad came home, and he'd been laid off before, but he said, I've been laid off, and I don't think I'm ever going back. And I just remember him just kind of, his body just kind of pressing into the wall there in our kitchen, and he just kind of sliding down the wall into sort of a crouch. And and for whatever reason, he just stayed there, and it just, I mean, I was fourth grade, something like that, and still this day, that just is impressed in to my mind. So job loss. What are some other things? Well, the price of gas, it goes down. Yeah. It goes down, it kind of settles for a little while, and boom, that's it goes. It does, yeah. Price gouging sometimes too, right? It does, yeah. So we, we could put that across the board, Shannon, not just gas, but all commodities. It seems to me, yeah, groceries. I, I went the other day to get a little half gallon of milk from a cereal here at the office. and um, Is milk going back up? I mean, I don't shop much. Is it? Aldi's the key. <laughs> Don't shop the IGA. Okay, that's what you're telling me. Do not shop the IGA. But just a few years ago, just a few years ago, I mean, milk was $4 a gallon. You know, so it's up, down. So, yeah, commodities as they rise and they fall. What are some other things? Oh, my goodness. Don't even get started. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Jackie's doing a yes. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the cost of living is high. I remember, uh, you know, a few years ago, that, that guy from New York that was running for whatever kept hollering about the rent's too high. You know, he kept saying that over and over. You know, there's injury, right? We've all faced that where we've we had injury or, or maybe sickness in our life. Divorce. Divorce is one of the things that comes to our life. And especially if you've been more of a homemaker and your, 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 your spouse has went out and earned the primary part of your living. Um, then divorce brings uh, just a huge level of anxiety. Death. Death is a huge one, of course. Uh, a falling stock market or a bad investment. You know, I still remember uh, one of my deacons at the last church. He had retired, and he told me. So I, I went to Tennessee in 2000, 2008 to be the pastor there. And that was right about the time when the bubble burst. You remember that? The recession came on. And he said, if I'd have pulled my money out of the, whatever fund it was, if I'd have pulled it out the week before, he would have had like, five-digit figures more in his retirement than what he actually ended up with because of the timing of that. So, I mean, all that, and retirement itself, retirement itself can be, it can raise the level of anxiety. You know, Christy's dad uh, worked, how many years did he work at GM? 35, 35 years, yeah. So, I mean, and, but nevertheless, so he, he, he retired with a great pension, but it always seems like it's, up for grabs still, you know. I know the teachers right now and everything that they're facing. It's, it seems to be up for grabs what's going to happen. I think about, like, for instance, I was reading, and I, hey, 
Millennials get a bad rap, okay? They get bad rap. They, they get the, the, the rap of being snowflakes and all this other stuff. But I did read an article that said research has shown that millennials especially are very anxious over money, right? They come out of college with all this debt, um, you know, and, and they, they, they see the job market, how, you know, you can have a job one day and the next day. No one stays at the same company for their whole career anymore, hardly, you know. It just hardly doesn't happen. And so they're worried about that and they're worried about their debt and, and just all this stuff. And so there's a lot of anxiety around money. Maybe you came in here tonight, you walked in these doors, and you wouldn't raise your hand because I don't want you to raise your hand. Money is very private, very, very personal, okay? But maybe you've walked in here with anxiety surrounding your finances. Tonight we continue through our series, Walking Through the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus here helps us to battle financial anxiety. He helps us to battle financial anxiety. The title of tonight's message is... I need a dollar, all right? I hope that you see tonight, what I, hope, what I hope you see is that while you may think that you need a dollar for your earthly well-being, you already have abundant provision in God, okay? Here's tonight's task. We're going to ask this question and answer it tonight. How do I strike down financial anxiety when it begins to rise up, okay? You feel it rising, heart rate increasing, <laughs> The pit, you know, the, your stomach beginning to get queasy, all that stuff, blood pressure rising. How do you strike that down? In our text, Matthew chapter 6, 24 through 34, Jesus here gives us eight tactics, actually seven tactics, to help us battle financial anxiety. He, he gives us uh, one twice. So you can say eight or you can say seven. We're going to call it seven tonight. Battle uh, financial anxiety when it arises. Because let's just call it what it is. Financial anxiety is spiritual warfare. Okay? It's spiritual warfare. So you've got to battle. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a weapon. You've got to have a tactic. You don't take it lying down. You go on the offensive against that anxiety when it rises up. All right. So see if you can find the tactics, spot the tactics as I read the text tonight. Matthew 6, 24 through 34. See if you can spot the seven tactics. The Bible says this. It says, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It is ever relevant. I, Jesus, you could have come right now and preached what, you just, what I just read because it, it speaks to us where we are right now, Alvaton, Kentucky, 2018. Thank you for your timeless truth. Father, the human condition is such that there is trouble, especially in the area of finances. And we are prone because we are often of little faith to doubt you. And so, Father, help us tonight to wage war against financial anxiety. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So how do I strike down financial anxiety when it begins to rise up? Jesus, again, points us to seven tactics here in our text. The first tactic is this. It's to make your money serve you while you serve God. Look at verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for he either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Your devotion, ultimate devotion, cannot be to two authorities, right? Two gods. You've got to choose, all right? You've got to choose. And in this instance here, he says our flow of authority should be like this. God, me, money, right? God is my authority, and then I am my money's authority underneath that, all right? So money's down here. I have authority over it. And then God is up here, and he has authority over me and my money, okay? But we often get that flip, don't we? Our money, as we talked about last week, often becomes our God, right? Our master, all right? Money's up here, and I'm down here, and maybe God's in the mix, or maybe he's not. Or like Jesus said, sometimes it's money and God. We're trying to, we're trying to serve both, but you cannot do it. God must be our master, and money, as we talked about last week, must be a tool in our hand to serve our master God. Money is a tool. <coughs> How many guys would say that you have been taught on what the Bible has to say about money? How, would you, how many of you would say you've been taught on what the Bible has to say? A few of you? Good. Great. A mom one time was trying to teach her two kids about Jesus and the Easter story. And when she reached the part about Pilate and what he did with Jesus, her six-year-old son, Noah, he got mad. He said, Mom, do you think that Pilate did the right thing? And his mama said, No, sweetheart. I think God used Jesus' death on the cross, but Pilate should have stood up for Jesus. And Noah said, I totally agree. I would have grabbed Jesus and run with him to the plane and jumped in and taken off. And his eight-year-old brother, of course, you know older brothers. Pfft, Noah, there were no planes back in the Bible days. And Noah said, but mom said he was a pilot. <laughs> Weren't you listening, brother? When I listen, when it comes to money, 
Do you ever think that God up in heaven says, weren't you listening? Weren't you listening? Most of us don't need more teaching. Now, some of us may. And praise God. If that's where you are right now and you say, you know what? I really don't know what the Bible has to say about money. I, I, I need to be taught. I'm, I'm ignorant in the best sense of the word, all right? I, I just don't know. Well, that's a problem that we can easily solve, right? We can, we can give you the truths and the principles and the, uh, the, 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 the um, strategies for using your money in a godly way, okay? But that's not the issue for most of us. The issue is not knowledge. What's the issue? Obedience, follow through, commitment, all those things, right? That's the real issue here, okay? Most of us don't need more teaching. We simply need to do what we already know to, good, to do because, let's be honest, it's mainly common sense. It's mainly common sense. I, I love Dave Ramsey and, and, and because of the way he says stuff oftentimes. I love when he says, we give you the same financial advice your grandmother would give you only we keep our teeth in. I love that. You know, it's just common sense, right? <laughs> Granny's been telling you this for years, all right? Granny doesn't have a finance degree. She doesn't have an MBA. She doesn't have a PhD in economics. It's common sense stuff based upon the Word of God. It's not up here. It's right here where everybody can reach on that lower shelf here. So the question is not, do I understand what to do? The question is, will I do what I understand to do, okay? It's more about the habit, the practice of it, okay? So let's get practical here for a moment, okay? How do you make money your servant? What would you say? How do you make money your servant? Make a budget. Make a budget. That's really key. Again, that's practical. Um... And sometimes that's a very hard step, right? Because a lot of times we don't know where our money goes, just to be honest. It's like, man, I had it, out, I had it on payday, and here it is three days later, it feels like, and it's already gone. Yeah, Channing? Find a role model. Find a role model. That's really good, yeah. Someone, you know, uh, it'd be good if they lived through the Great Depression, right? <laughs> you know, it'd be good to find somebody like that uh, because those folks knew how to stretch a dollar, didn't they? They knew how to stretch a dollar. Find a role model, absolutely. What else would you say? Reduce unnecessary expenses. Reduce unnecessary expenses. And we have a lot of those. We have a lot of those. You know, there are a lot of things that we have that, that we really don't use even, right? I mean, uh, I mean, take your satellite, for instance. I mean, how many of those channels do you never watch? A bunch of them, right? If you have a satellite, I mean, a bunch of them, most of them, right? They throw them in there. Now, there are certain channels that, and, and here's what they do. They're really sneaky, aren't they? I told you they're trying to figure out ways to get your money. Like they take the ones that you know you, you feel like you just can't live without, like ESPN, right? Like ESPN, for instance. Christy and I, we, our, 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 our satellite bill was getting up here, and we're like, man, we've got to cut that thing down. It's getting too high. And so we've got to go with this flex plan. And we're going to go with the kid package because we've got five of them and they watch TV and things like that. But if you choose the local channels and the kid package, you can't choose the sports package. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've got to watch Tom and Jerry, yeah. Instead of, okay, all right. 
So Christy and I made, we made a compromise. We made a compromise for the four months of NCAA basketball season. We take on the extra, the extra, you know, few dollars to add an ESPN. But here in, when, when, April's, when April comes, ESPN's getting cut off again. All right? So eight months out of the year, I live without ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is, Bob, you're right, there's a lot of unnecessary spending that we probably have. You could probably go through and, and you know, you could, you, could, you could cut out a lot of it. What are some other things you could say to make money your servant? What would you say? Reduce your debt. Yeah, that's right. Reduce your debt. That's right. Yeah, the Bible says it, right? The, the borrower is the slave to the lender. Stay out. Stay out. Certainly stay out of bad debt, right? I mean, there's wiser debt than others, right? I mean, if we could stay out of complete debt, that'd be great, right? But most of us, when, you know, you, you can't live in a house and not have some debt sometimes for some of us, okay? For most of us, let me put it that way, all right? So, but there is good debt and there's bad debt, um, it's best to stay out of all debt, but again, certainly stay out of bad debt. No, uh, oh, did your grandmama tell you then? <laughs> My dad. <laughs> Your dad. That's right. That's right. Yeah, make more money than you spend. Right. Yep. Duh. Yeah, they knew how to live frugally, didn't they? Yeah. What else would you say? Anything else you'd add? I would add this. I would add this. To make money your servant is to work hard. Got to work hard. But play hard and rest hard. One of the ways that you make money your servant is that you learn to stop making it from time to time and enjoy life and rest and recover. Otherwise, that taskmaster is beating you all day long. I would also add this. You guys came up with some great, great uh, ones that I came up with. So they've got to be great if I... No, I'm just kidding. Right? I, I would say this. Again, coming out of last week's message, prioritize your giving to God. That's a way that you make money your servant. Right? Store up your treasure in heaven first. And then I would add this one finally for you to think about. How do you make money your servant? I would say learn to say, I have enough. I have enough. There is always something else out there to buy, all right? And maybe you're like me, all right? In our relationship, uh, I'm the one, I'm the spender, okay? I'm the spender, just being honest here. And Christy is so good. She's so good at, 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 at you know, um, making the money stretch and using it wisely, making good purchases. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. I'm awful at it, okay? And so you got to work together, all right? Know where you're at in there. All right, know, know who you are. And if you're both spenders, <laughs> if somebody's got somebody's to change, all right? So make your money serve you. Take control of it, in other words, while you serve God. Here's the second thing I would say, the second, the second tactic to strike down financial anxiety when it rises up is to insist that there's more to life than what money can buy. Insist that there's more to life than what money can buy. Now, some of you guys might be thinking tonight, Ben, in this text tonight, talking about anxiety in general, why are you tying it so closely to finances? All right? 
you know, this is a passage that I've preached on a number of times. And honestly, I've never, until I'm preaching expositionally verse by verse through this, did I see Jesus is actually tying anxiety to money here. I mean, that, that was the, yeah, I, I, I love that when you study the Bible and the light bulb goes off. You, you could have read it a thousand times, but all of a sudden in that moment, boom, God says, hey, dummy, look at this. It's been here all along, okay? The principles apply here to anxiety in general, okay? But Jesus is connecting these, the anxiety here primarily to finances. How do I know? Look at verse 25 and the word therefore. Do you see that? Therefore. Now that follows right after he just said, you cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The therefore connects it back, okay, to the previous argument which had to do with money. Now, as I said last week, remember, money is amoral. It is neither good nor bad. How we act or react to its abundance or lack thereof, that's what's moral, okay? What we do with it, how we react to it, that's what's Moral. So Jesus commands us here. It's a commandment. Jesus, I can't help my feelings. I can't help if I feel anxious. Jesus commands you. Do not be anxious about things that money can buy, is what he's saying here. Food, drink, clothing, those are the things that he points to here. And we all have that one thing that we love to spend our money on, okay? That one thing that you tend to splurge on. And if you don't know what that is, ask your spouse. They can tell you. I promise you, they can tell you. All right? Let's see. Christy, what's mine? Food. Oh, she got it! Food, that's right. It's a, it's a topic of conversation. I worked a lot of years to build this body. I've invested a lot of money into it. And it is. It's my weakness. You know, I, a lot of times when it comes to town, I have to drive around town. Because if I drive by the restaurant, it's like, oh, like a bug to a light. No, no, just pass on by. You know, you got, or a lot of times it's like, ah, I got a few bucks in my pocket. Let's spend it on that, okay? So it is. Food is that thing, food is that thing for me. But, but what is it for you? Would anybody be transparent enough to share? Don't share any ungodly things, please. But... Just things that, <laughs> things that, what are, what are some things that, that you particularly like to spend your money on? Toys? toys? Yeah, like what? What, what is it, Clint? <laughs> okay. And which one do you come after? Okay, rifles, hunting. Yeah, that's right. I heard the other day, I forget what the number was, but there's like, there's basically a gun for every person in America. Of course, not everybody has one. That means a lot of us have a bunch of them, okay? And so, yeah, guns can be that thing. My uh, Christie's brother, Brian, that's what he does. He says that's his, uh, that's his savings account. He goes and buys a rifle, and if he ever needs to sell it, he can sell it. You know, that's, that's his approach. Well, would anybody else say, share what theirs is? Huh? Bikes, yeah. You're into bikes, aren't you? That's right. Uh, not the ones that go vroom, 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 but the ones that... Ring. You don't have a bell on yours, do you? Ring, ring. <laughs> no. Okay. Shannon, yeah. Shannon calls his, uh, his penchant for West 
Okay, all right. So he's got, he's got his cowboy boots ready, all right? Travel on vacations. Travel on vacations, absolutely. So we all have those things. Maybe for you, like Jesus says here, maybe it's clothing. You know, I mean, go and look at your closet, for instance. You know, there's... Huh? Dishes. Dishes, yeah. L- let me say this, though. This is interesting. <laughs> think, think about this, for instance. Christy and I, when we lived in Tennessee, we lived in a house that was built in the 1950s, okay? And um, we couldn't fit all of our clothes in the closet. I mean, I mean it's, like, it's like we had to go buy wardrobes to sit in the room. For the, now we all have walk-in closets, right? Because we've got all these clothes, you know? All these clothes. So, uh, again, clothes there. Any, anybody had to throw anything else out there? Books. Books. What's that? Things our kids don't need. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at Christmas time, you know, they, they play off the box more than the thing we bought them. That's true. That's absolutely true. So, guys, there are all sorts of things here, okay? All sorts of things. Maybe, you know, for me and Mike, it's honeybee supplies maybe too, you know. But... um. But all those things, whether it's tools or cars or purses or shoes, why do we love these things? Because they make us feel happy. They make us feel alive. But Jesus says that these things, that there's more to life than these things, okay? I've been to places on the planet, and many of you have too, or you've seen it on TV. I've been to places on the planet where they barely had a pot to pee in, yet they were incredibly happy. Why? Because there's more to life than what money can buy. What are some things that make life meaningful, more meaningful than money could ever buy? What are some of those things that we would call priceless? Your children. Your health. Your parents. Relationship. Your relationship with God, yeah. Your church. We could go on and on. There, that's a big list there, okay? Every, every single person here has a list of things that are way more important than what money could ever buy. And we have to insist. I use that verb there on purpose right there. Insist. Because there's going to be times where the world is saying, nah. This stuff, this, this trinket, this toy, as Clint said, this toy will make your life better. And if you don't have it, your life is, a, you're a loser, you know. You're a loser. But we have to stand, we have to insist in our heart and our mind and to the world that there's more to life than what money can buy. All right, the preacher's getting long-winded here, so I'm going to have to move on if I'm going to get to seven of these, all right? <laughs> but just remember, guys, let, let me say this before I leave this one. When I say insist, I, what I'm saying again is this is a battle. This is a spiritual warfare. It's a battle. You have to do the battle in your heart and your mind. The third tactic to strike down financial anxiety when it begins to rise up is to trust that God will provide your needs with or without money. With or without money. I wish we had time for testimony time. But is there anybody here before where God provided financially in the time and you thought there is no other way that happened except God? Anybody have that? Yeah, that's awesome. So let me just say that even though we, we don't have time for stories, 
if, if you're in a situation, you just saw a few hands go up. Raise your hands again if you, if you said yes to that, okay? So look around. There are people that you can go talk to after this and say, tell me your story because I just need to hear it with where I'm at right now. I need to hear the story. All over, God does this, guys. God does this in amazing ways. Um, you know, go, go read some of the stories of George Mueller. I've heard his stories recently the last couple of weeks about how he provided bread and milk for the orphans, and, or God provided bread and milk for the orphans and all this stuff. But look at, look at verse 26. Matthew 6, 26. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They're birds. <laughs> they never sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He's saying God provides for these Worthless. I don't want to say worthless. God provides for these less valuable creatures. He'll certainly provide for you with or without money. Look down at verse 28 through 30. Here's where he gives us two examples of the same thing. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, who was rich and wise... In all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, the birds and the grass have plenty from God. And if he'll do it for them, he'll definitely do it for us. The fourth tactic to strike down financial anxiety is to declare the impotence of of worrying about money. It is powerless. It is powerless. Verse 27, Jesus says, And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life or add a single cent to his bank account? We you know, we'll just throw that in there, right? In fact, instead of adding hours, what does worrying do? It takes away hours. It takes away hours. We, we've all heard of, of jokes about how stress turns your hair white, makes your hair fall out, and all this stuff. And we understand that stress makes us feel bad and all that. But there's new research that, that indicates that chronic stress actually erodes and damages critical parts of our DNA over time. And this damage and erosion can increase our odds of living a shorter lifespan. Right? The study showed that those under chronic stress exhibited shortened telomeres. Is that how you pronounce that, Shannon? Telomeres. Telomeres are the protective edges that bind the ends of DNA strands together. And the damage to these it leads itself to errors in how the DNA instructs cells to behave. And so their length's directly tied to their longevity. And basically what ends up happening is that Cells, as they replicate, become unhealthy, uh, which leads to damage, disease, cancer, all these other things, all right? So when you worry, you actually, you don't add to your life, you don't add to your bank account, you actually take away from your life. The fifth tactic is to realize that worrying about money, worrying about what money can buy, is what pagans do. That ain't what God followers, Christ lovers do. Look at verse 31 and 32. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles. Now let me, let me paraphrase that. For the godless seek after these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
if we don't have a God in heaven, we need to worry about it. But since we do, there is no reason to be anxious. We have to realize that that's what pagans do. Now listen, we may be followers of Christ and sometimes act like pagans, right? right? In our thought life, in our actions. Listen to a preacher the other day and, you know, remember when Jesus went back to Simon Peter and said, Simon, Simon, after he, had den- after he had denied Christ. He didn't call him Peter, Peter. He called him Simon, Simon. And the preacher very astutely said, you know why he did that? It's likely, it was R.C. Sproul, he said, it's likely because Peter was acting like the old man, the one who was before Christ, Simon, before his name was changed to Peter. And we often do that, okay? We often do that. And sometimes we act like pagans when we're following Jesus. Number six, the sixth tactic to strike down financial anxiety when it begins to rise up is to be more concerned about God than money. Be more concerned about God than money. That, that was the whole purpose of last week, a lot of the, a lot of the message there, right? And Jeannie texted me after, after the service last week. She said, send me that Randy Alcorn quote. I, I want to use that, where it said, if you want to have a heart for the things of God, invest in the things of God. Because your heart follows it, okay? So here, if we want to tamp down, strike down, cut down financial anxiety, then we need to be more concerned about God than money. Look at verse 33 here. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about all the things. Worry about God and He'll take care of the rest. Okay? Finally, this tonight. Number seven is to focus on today. Look at verse 34. Jesus closes up this way. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right? There's only one aspect of time that you can truly do anything about, and that's the present. All right? The past is gone. The future is yet to happen. But today, the present, you can do something about so don't worry about... You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Now, Jesus is not saying don't plan, don't be smart, don't do these things, but he's saying only worry about what you can worry about. And that's today. Focus on today. Here's my final prayer tonight. May God be bigger in our hearts and minds than our money because that's exactly what he is. He is bigger. He is bigger. You don't need a dollar. You need God. And he's given himself to us. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, 
The straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.